There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Phoenix West, the Twilight Zone episode review show. Welcome to episode two of the Twilight Zone episode review show hosted by me, let alone me, Phoenix West. How's everybody doing? Um, before I start and get into today's episode, um, head on over, while you're at your computer jerking off, head on over to loadingwonderland.com. Why don't we all do that? It's good for the environment. Uh, check out, check out all the podcasts. We got four of them there. We got fucking four podcasts. Um, we got Loading Wonderland, a movie review show, and there's a bunch of good shit on there. We watch terrible movies and make fun of them. What's not to love about that? And then the Phoenix West show, uh, formerly the Incredible Negative Men. I say that because it just changed. Um, that's a good show. We, that's my personal favorite show, obviously. It has my fucking name on it. Um... But we just review news and talk about whatnot. My, we just go on about what happened in the week and the news in my life and whatever, um, whatever happens in a week of a stand-up, basically. Um, and then we got LAW Improv Theater, which is what it sounds like. It's a uh, theater company located in your ears on on iTunes and such. Where we just make shit up. Every single word is made up on the spot. Um, the only thing that's come up with it beforehand is like the character sometimes. Sometimes I just make up the characters on the spot. Like I just did an episode. Um, since we're not on the show, I can kind of talk about it. We just did an episode about uh, Warren Christopher, who has a cult. Only he won't call it that. But I just, I just made up the character on the spot, and I didn't think about it other than the name and what he does. And he's this occult figure, and that's it. He's like the leader. And that's it. That's all I came up with, and I did a 13-minute episode about it. So it's a fun show. And then we got this show right here that you're listening to right now, and if you need help finding that, you're fucking retarded. So I guess we're going to go from there. Um, today's episode, I'm sorry I'm breathing heavy. I was just playing a little bit of children's basketball. You know those little games that you get for your kids that uh, where you kind of throw a little rubber ball, and then that's it, keep score? That's it. I was just playing the shit out of that in the hallway just now. We got one outside the, the studio, so I'm a little out of breath. So that's why I'm breathing heavy. I'm incredibly out of shape, I should mention. Um, today's episode, though, is the Twilight Zone Season 1, Episode 2, One for the Angels, which premiered October 9th, 1959. Um, way before I was born. But again, I won't get into all that shit, but I love the Twilight Zone. So here we are. This episode is, you know how I said in the last episode, I, I have a kind of past, fret, present, future, and then one of, they're all sitting there, and then it's either fear, irony, or like urban legend, and I'm working on that list still, so if I get to one that is on that list, I'll make it up on the spot, so that's what I do. Um, but this one is kind of present urban legend, I would say, because it's like a... Um, 
When I say urban legend, I don't just mean like microwave the dog or like the the boyfriend's foot was was scratching on the the roof of the car, and that's and that's the urban legend. I mean like you know like a story passed down from generation to generation, like this this man outwitted death. Like then one of the that's what this episode is. It's kind of like that where it's no, it didn't. Like you've heard this before. You know those uh, scary stories. I read those as a kid. It was, it was a black and white book, and they were sometimes red on the front cover. But And they basically made these urban legends and drew these frightening drawings that aren't, like, scary, scary, you know, but they're gross, basically. Um, like, I remember one about the woman who stole toes off dead people and cooked them in her food, her stew. Shit like that, you know? And they were just nonsense, and... But that's kind of what this is, where it's like, it's a it's a sweet story, don't get me wrong. But it's kind of like, just a, we have all heard it before, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, getting back to the episode. Um, stars Edwin as Lou Bookman. Louis J. Bookman. Um, and it stars Murray Hamilton as Mr. Death. Um, that's a badass fucking name, I'll say that. I want to... I want that name. Can I change my name to Phoenix Death? Can you change your name more than once in your lifetime? Um, spoiler on Phoenix West. That's not my real name. Uh, I don't know if you can change your name twice, though. I don't know how that works. I guess I, I guess you can because Puff Daddy's changed his name a good 17 times this year. So probably. I'll just have to talk to his people, see how we work that out. But Phoenix Death would be pretty fucking sweet. That'd be badass. But I fucking love Murray Hamilton. Murray Hamilton's amazing. He's in... I, I talked last episode about how he loved Twilight Zone from the 60s and John Frankenheimer. And this fucking guy did both. Just like the guy in the last episode. He he was in Seconds. One of my favorite movies. He just plays the guy sitting there. And that's what he does. He makes phone calls in a room. And that's what his role is in that movie. But it fucking works. I don't know. I love him in that movie. He's got a small little role, but he stuck out. Um, so if you get a chance to watch Seconds from 1966, watch it. It's awesome. Guy gets old and wants to, and he gets a phone call from this guy, Murray Hamilton, and he says, hey, come in and swap your, swap your body out, and they'll, they'll make you young again. And you get to live another life. You kind of, you pay them a lot of money, and they set you up, you know? It makes sense. It just does. It's good science. And uh, chaos ensues. Anyway. One for the angels. It starts off. Uh, this this old guy Edwin is he's supposed to be he's supposed to be sixty nine. He's a pitchman, which apparently is what they used to call salesmen. He didn't really sell anything at all. You kind of see him get home from like a hard day's work as a pitchman, and or, or selling shit on a blanket on a. On a sidewalk, I guess. I don't know what the fuck he did. I don't know where he did his. Uh, there's no bazaar. There's no. I don't know where he did this. You know, it doesn't look like he had a store. All his wares were in a goddamn suitcase with a extending like a scissored out wheels. Like he could, so he would stand on a sidewalk. Basically, that's only logical explanation for this. He stood on a goddamn sidewalk, right? And this is uh he he gets home from a hard day's work and there's a it's very New York City even though this is clearly shot on uh, on the on a lot in L A um, and it's basically uh, 
he gets there, and there's a lot of fucking kids. There's so many goddamn kids. And it feels like New York. It really does. They Whatever. They create an atmosphere, I guess. Uh, but this is back when he gets there. Sorry. I'll get back to that. He gets home, and he's kind of like, hey, kids. And he's talking to all the kids, and they're all like, how was your day? And he gives them all robots. And this is back when you can talk to kids just willy-nilly and not be arrested. Like, you're not, you weren't just immediately a pervert raping kids. That wasn't just the assumption. I feel like people back in the day, even back in my, like, when I was a kid, I don't want to say that, Micah, back in my day. But it, I feel like there was a difference. There's a huge difference between back then and now. That's for fucking sure. And again, call back to the last episode when I said sure. This is what I'm saying is nowadays, if you go up to a kid, a bunch of, let's say there's six kids in a stairwell, and that's not going to fucking happen nowadays because they wouldn't be there because you have to, like, fucking close to your goddamn kids up. You have to, you have to hold them up inside your goddamn house or apartment, and God fucking forbid if they go outside those doors without you noticing, or without, not even you noticing, just without you being there. You have to fucking be there. You have to quit your job to be a parent nowadays, and that's fucking stupid. And back, but back then, there was this, like, eight kids. They were, like, I don't know, from five to 12, just hanging out on a, on a stoop and just doing whatever kids do. And back in, when I was a kid, I almost said it again back in my day. But back when I was a kid, I would just ride my bike all over town. And this was a town of 600 people that I grew up in, and half of them were meth addicts and child molesters. Um, but that's just fucking true. And But this is, I don't know, what's this in New York City? They don't know who the fuck there's around. They don't care. They're just like, if the kid comes back, we keep being responsible for it. And if it, if it doesn't, then we just move on. We probably have six others. I mean, those are probably just one family's kids. All six of them or eight of them, whatever the fuck there was. Anyway, he's like, hey, kids, here's his toys and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of goes into his, his apartment up the stairs. Apparently, he lives up like 15 fucking flights of stairs. Anyway, he gets in his apartment. And then uh, he's kind of like walking around, and it's kind of like, you know, he's watering his plants, and he just looks real sad. And I'm like, God, I hope somebody kills this guy, because I'm sick of watching the security cam of his bachelor life. It's a really sad apartment. It really is. It's depressing as fuck. And then he, uh, he, you see, he says something. I don't remember. He's talking to himself. And then he kind of just hears a voice, and he... He's not really that surprised. I was more surprised, and I knew it was coming. And he's just kind of like, this Mr. Death, as we know him, but obviously Lou doesn't know him yet. Um, Lou's just like, oh, hey, who are you? And he's just like, it doesn't matter. Your time's tonight. It'll meet at midnight, and you're going to go with me, and that's just how it's going to go. Mr. Luke Bookman, what a fucking Bookman, right? And then he's just like, huh, well, hey, I mean, if you want to hang it, like, he's just so inviting to any stranger he finds in his place. How fucking freaked out would you be if you got home and looked over and there's just a dude with a notepad in a chair watching you? Fucking freaky. It's like, seriously, I'm not scared of much, but that's one of them. That's fucking freaky. And I would lose my goddamn shit. I would either... It would be flight or flight mode. It would 
either I'd flight and I'd go with the goddamn window or fight, eyes closed, swinging my arms, not really looking at what I'm going to hit. And I'm probably going to lose some press-on nails. And that's fine. But, hey, don't come in my house and sit in my chairs looking, just waiting for me to take notes with. And he's kind of like... Mr. Deslake, Mr. Bookman, age 69, born on blah, 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 son of blah, blah, and blah, blah, and they're born in blah, blah, one's from Detroit, holla, and the other one's from, I don't know, fucking Cleveland, I don't know, I wasn't, I, I he had a whole lot of notes on him, Mr. Bookman's kind of like, oh, you know a lot about me, that's cool, you know a lot about me, he's very Jewish sounding, he was the voice of the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. Which really brings this whole podcast and the name of the the uh, basically the name of the network and it just came just fulfilled itself. It, we have a guy from Alice in Wonderland on Lloyd in Wonderland show, the Twilight Zone episode review show. It's just oh man, I came like six times realizing that fact. Each it was like Inception. Each layer I got deeper. Into this, I came another time. It was so many times. I had to change. I, that's why, And then I changed, and I came up and played a little basketball in the hallway, and here I am. And I, I feel like I'm rambling, but maybe that's what I am doing, and that's fine. This is who I am. What do you have to... This is what uh, Bookman does. He rambles. He's a rambler. Not, not like a rambler, rambler like back in the day, but just a, just a rambler. He talks and talks and talks. Anyway, this fucking little bitch girl comes into his fucking apartment and is just like, hey, Lou, the toy you just gave me is a piece of fucking shit. Why don't you fucking fix it, you old piece of shit? Only she was like, Lou, the toy's on the keys broken. It's not going to work. Can you fix it? And she's all sweet and shit, but I'm, I'm pissed at this point because, hey, leave the old guy alone. If you're a little girl... And you go into an old guy's apartment and he slams the door behind you, which he did. Nobody sees you again. That's for sure. And if, or they do see you again, but they don't really see you again because the you that was you is now dead in that apartment because he fondled you and you are a dead shell of a person from now on. You are not a human being at that point. But he, he fixes the toy and he's like, they come up with some, I love that I could tell that they didn't really have anything for him to fix so he just kind of goes so see the key you're turning and there's a there's a gear in there and you're doing it <laughs> here you go bye and she leaves and the fucking desk guy's like let's he basically hints around okay this is something i hate i i always feel like i'm complaining but this is who i am but i fucking love this episode i like it i should say it's it's a fun one it's not it's not it's harmless basically i like it it's fun like Blah, blah, blah. But they do the thing where he goes, y- you will be coming with me, and we're going to go on a journey, and you get your affairs in order. And Bookman's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then the little girl's in the room at this point, and she goes, hey, Lou, can you fix And he's like, say hello to my guest. He talks a little bit like that because he's the Mad Hatter. He, and she goes, who's your Who? I don't know who you're talking about. He goes, the man over there. And she's like, I don't see a man, Lou. And he's like, you don't see her? And then Mr. Death's like, she can't see or hear me, motherfucker. I'm, you know, nobody can see me except people who are going to go with me. And he sounds like a desperate, desperate bitch. 
And he's like, only people who are willing to go, like, you, if you're going to stick with me, you'll fucking see me. But otherwise, you're not going to see me. And that, that just that's fine. And then the little girl leaves. And she, well, first Lou's like, hey, say goodbye to him. And she's like, oh, pretend, man. Okay. And, uh, and then Death's. Mr. Death, who he doesn't know his name, Mr. Death. If he was like, hey, Lou, I'm Mr. Death, totally different situation. We don't have to watch five minutes of him going, you know who I am, Lou. And Lou going, oh, dude, what's going on? Like, who are you? Why do you break into my apartment? And Mr. Death's just like, how, how do I really have to keep hinting who I am? And like, come on, man, you know who I am. And meanwhile, he's only said, you're going to go with me. You're going to come with me at midnight. You're going to, and he sounds more like a mobster or a kidnapper than he does death, really. Other than the get your fares in order, which is kind of just thrown out out of nowhere. He should just go, hey, motherfucker, I'm death. And you should probably get your shit together because you're leaving this mortal coil. You're going to shove off that bitch. And then we're not coming back here. So, you know, hide your fucking skin mags delete your fucking web browser history and then let's get this shit in the road let's get this shit show off the off the mortal coil here let's just, let's let's take this shit show to heaven because you're a terrible salesman and he's like mr bookman's like hey anything i can do to you know not do that thing you're just talking about whatever it was i wasn't listening because i'm i'm senile because i'm fucking 70 and then uh He's like, oh yeah, there's three ways you can you can not have to come with me. You can I'll give you grant you an extension, like it's the fucking your taxes, and you can pay them on time. He goes, number one, if there's family who would be just absolutely devastated by your loss, and he's like, eh, no family. He sounds like Christopher, Wa- like when people do their impression of Christopher Walken, it sounds more like Ed Wynn than Christopher Walken. It's like no family, like that, no family, like it's very very drawn out. And like, holy shit, you were hitting some highs and lows in that. More highs than lows. But he goes, no, no family, no, nothing I can do there. I don't have any family. And then death goes, oh, number two, if you're, if you're like a scientist and you're on the verge of like a scientific discovery, and if we killed you now, he never says kills or take or death. Or he just says, if we took, if we, you know, if you were to go now, you would not discover that for humanity. And that would be bad. He's like, no, that doesn't apply. And then Death's like, oh, number three, if you have any unfinished business or blah, blah, blah. And I guess he only does this if it's die, if you die of natural causes because otherwise he's not allowed to warn people who are about to be in car accidents because obviously you wouldn't be in a car accident if you knew ahead of time. It wouldn't be an accident. It would be a car purpose. You, that was a terrible joke. You would just be, honestly, you would just get out of the car at that moment. And then Mr. Uh, Bookman almost said Denton. That's the next episode, I believe. Denton at Doomsday. He, Mr. Bookman's like, um, yeah, yeah, I, I got that. I got that. I've never. He gets real racist right here, by the way. He's like, I never rode in a helicopter. Blah blah blah. I never saw a Zulu rain uh, war dance. So if you let me go over to wherever they do the Zulu dance, Zulu danceberg, I don't know, and then. I'll take care of that, and then it'll it'll happen. And Mr. Death's like, no, no, that won't do. That won't do. And then Mr. Denton just kind of sits down. Or Mr. Bookman, excuse me. I keep saying I want to say Denton. Mr. Bookman's like, ah, sits down in a chair, and he's like, Mr. Death's like, well, I'll take you at midnight, and then uh, I can't grant an extension, but if there's something we 
He keeps pausing because apparently Death is a real cool guy, like a real good dude to be around. Death's like, oh, this, this old guy's a bummer. He looks bummed out that I have to kill him. My job is to kill people. I'm literally God's assassin, and I feel real shitty about having to kill this old prick. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, feel bad for a sec, teeter-totter. And he's like, is there nothing else? And Mr. Bookman's like, oh, I've never... I, and he got real serious there. And he's like, I always wanted to do one more pitch, one big pitch, one where the sky opened up, one for the angels. And you got your title, people. You got your titular line. Which means two in a row that we got a tutorial line. Because in Where Is Everybody, he screams that. And then this guy kind of very low-key comparatively. Uh, he, he says, well, you know, one for the angels. And then Death's like, no. Well, and he kind of realizes it means a big deal to him. And he's like, okay, okay, let's do it. Um, And then Mr. Bookman's like, ah, I got gotcha. you. And then they make a deal that they're going to do it. And he's like, oh, I'll do it eventually. Ha, ha, ha. And then he just slams the door in his face. And then he looks over and he's like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to pitch anything. Ha, ha, I'll last forever. And then Mr. Death's like just in the room and he puts on his hat. Or Mr. Bookman puts on his hat and then goes out in the hallway. And then it proceeds to be like a fucking Scooby-Doo chase where he's just like going down the stairway and every stair set he's on, Mr. Death is just like appearing. And it's, at this point you realize, when I, when I did the research, um, James Aubrey was like, the show's too expensive, we're going to have to go to videotape. And I'm, I'm like, how the holy fucking shit was this too expensive? So far we had four child actors who probably weren't paid and then we have two actors just working TV, nothing special, one episode. They're not exactly high up on contracts. Where the fuck is the money coming from? This episode features three actors. The rest of them are fucking walk-ons or extras or whatever you want to call them. That's all they do. And this is three fucking people who are not stars, mind you. So where is the money going? There's nothing happening. I, I know it sounds like I fucking am trashing on the show, but I'm just really trying to understand why James Aubrey fucking pounded this show so, so hard because it doesn't look expensive at all. It looks cheaper than what his other shows, which are all like the episodes I talked about last time, which are like the, the plays, which they put on plays, which means you have to pay for an audience to come in unless you have the audience just willy-nilly show up. I, I guess it could. I went and saw the Drew Carey show live once, and I, that was interesting. But I don't know how the Twilight Zone was considered a, a financial risk at that point. There's nothing happening that would, that would demand money, really, other than just people showing up to work. Maybe Rod Serling demanded, in, demanded so much money. I, don't, I really don't know. I can't figure it out. But this motherfucker is its so cheap. He just, they just cut to the next shot, and he's on the next stair set, and they keep repeating. And then uh, he kind of goes, I've been, show- I've been forced, because you're not going to do this, I've been forced to select an alternative. And then um, you hear the car squeals tires and then, you know, the brakes. And then they go outside and they realize the little goddamn girl's been hit by a car and everybody's bodies are all weird. I don't know, people's bodies were real weird in the 60s and 50s and shit. They just were like amoeba- they're like amoebas, I guess. Just really oddly shaped, that's all. So he 
kind of goes, don't take the girl, take me, you dick. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, you could have just told me, hey, now I got to take the little girl. And he probably would have agreed. You don't have to be such a fucking... You don't have to take somebody so fucking personal. Okay, he's going to take the little girl and make it personal? Re- obviously, really? And then... But that that seems like a like a move. Like, this is my bargaining chip, motherfucker. If you don't go with me now, I'm going to kill this little girl. But then he kills. He goes to kill the little girl. He'll put her out of, in, in her deathbed, basically. And then Mr. Bookman's like, hey, take me instead. And that's like, no, 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 I got this. I got the little girl. I'm fine. What the fuck? You're an asshole, Death. God is fucking cruel. He is a cruel son of a bitch. He, ah, just, just, ah, just, that's all you have to say. But he, he kind of goes, all right, well, hey, all right, this is, we're dealing with this. And it cuts to later. I don't know what time it is. It doesn't matter. He goes, doctor comes down. He goes, well, she looks pretty bad, but. She should make a turn one way or the other at midnight. The doctor apparently read the fucking script because, okay, if you saw somebody get hit by a car and you're a doctor, you're going to take care of her. And this is back in the day when they just took care of them at home. If you thought she was going to die at midnight in a couple hours, you'd take her to the goddamn hospital. Even if he goes, well, she'll take a turn at midnight for the better or worse. Worse. Excuse me. So if you think there's a possibility she's going to goddamn die, take her to the goddamn hospital, you fucking shitty doctor. What the hell's wrong with him? Terrible doctor. Basically, 50-50 is not enough for this man to take any action, drive her to the goddamn hospital. He's not willing to come in for 50. He's, I got to have at least 85, 90% to take this girl in. That's just, that's just how I roll. Little girl's not high, high up on the... On my list. You know, if it was like an 80-year-old, I might take her in. But this little girl, I don't know. Uh, I, got no, I got no motive here to take her in. I don't want to be a decent doctor. I have, I have been terrible doctor. This is before malpractice suits. So I'm going to go ahead and risk that shit. That little girl, fuck it. I don't care. So then Mr. Uh, Bookman hears all this. Lou, Lewis, as you might know him. hears all this shit and he's like, oh, that sucks. And he kind of hangs out in the front the front stair in front of the apartment. He's like, I'm going to block death when he comes in. I'm not going to let him in. And then it cuts to 1145 at night. And then Mr. Bookman's sitting there and the death rolls up and he's like, Hey, how's it going? And they're like, buddy, buddy at this point, it's all weird. I feel like they're going to have a sitcom. And then he's like, Hey, they go, oh, you, you got business up there. And then Mr. Death's like, yep. 12, 1145. Yeah. I got business at midnight. Wink, wink audience. Wink, wink. 15 minutes. Wink, wink. Yeah. Cut to the clock, cut to the little girl, cut to death again, and let's kind of do this over and over for the next 15 minutes of, you know, TV time, fantasy time, not so much real time. And then Mr. Bookman's like, sets up his shit, and he's like, I'm going to do this little thing. And Death's like, there's nobody here, dude. What are you doing? He's like, you're here. Fuck it. Look at these ties. And he kind of does his little spiel, and he's, he's selling them these goddamn fake silk ties. And then this... He goes in this, I feel like it's heavily improvised, that he rolls it, unrolls this spool of fake silk. And he tells the most insane, confusing old man tale I've ever heard in my goddamn life. He's like, what do you pay? $10 for this, $25, dollars He wasn't so much the auctioneer that I was just there, but... He's like, and Death's like, yeah, yeah, I pay that, I pay that. And he's like, 
well, these are these birds would go to Asia and they come back with just the smallest amount, and it would take I forget the number, but like two hundred and twelve trips to get one spool's worth. Think about that. Would you rather have birds go across the ocean to Asia and back with your goddamn fake silk? Or would you just bring a holy fucking shitload on one boat and just call it a goddamn day? Why nothing, nothing's worth that, that, that much preparation work, training the birds, getting the birds to drop it in the right location. Like all that shit is so fucking expensive that just getting one container ship to bring over a load a la slaves to just bring over this shit. Oh, obviously, obviously it's cheaper that way, but I think he's just making up this story kind of going, I think that was the whole joke that he's making up a story. He, this is his pitch and apparently pitch just means lie. This guy's a goddamn liar, which means it leads me to believe he is fucking these kids. He acts like he's all goody-goody around him, but, hey, he's a notorious liar, this guy. He's fucking those kids, obviously, for sure. And then he's kind of just like, keeps going, and Death's all sweaty, and then Death goes, I'll I'll buy it, I'll buy it, I'll buy all of it. He sells him this spool for a quarter. So you're going to train all these birds to take all the shit over one at a time, 212 or whatever, I forgot what the number was, take them over all those trips, and you're going to sell that whole spool for a quarter. And I realize inflation's heavily involved here. And that would probably be like, I don't know. Let's just, let's just go high. 40 bucks today. One quarter, 40 bucks. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of fair. Whatever. Let's just say it's 100 Way not worth the money of your so-called story. Anyway, Death's totally on board. Death's like, yeah, yeah, and he goes for his wallet. Like, Death's carrying money? American money? Is this the American death? Does death have a does death have a representative of every country, culture, language, currency system? I don't how does how is death separated here? Because unless it's just like magic bills that he touches, I don't fucking get it. Um but he hands him the money, and he's kind of like, yeah, sweating him out, and he's really getting him. He should be, this fucking bookman guy should be selling timeshares to a condo in Florida because he is so fucking good. Only only fictional characters can have it, though. Mr. Death, like the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny bought so many timeshares that he's in debt. The Easter Bunny, is, he's, he's a horrible gambler. We all know that. He's got a Cadbury egg fetish, too. I don't know. I don't know. He's a sick fuck. You put him in him, and he poops him back out. He's just a sick guy, you know. Yeah, fucking, I don't want to talk about it, Peter Cottontail. I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, and he sweats him out for 15 minutes, and he's kind of like, oh. and then you hear the the alarm go off for the alarm, the, the bell for midnight. And Death's like, ah, oh, dude, fuck. And he acts like a stoner who got too stoned and forgot that he had to be at work. He's kind of like, ah, oh, shit, dude. Fuck, I fucked that up. God damn it. Oh, man. What do you do? You fucking talked to me so long I forgot. I'm that dumb. I'm death. And I fucked it up. And then he's kind of like, well, congrats, Mr. Bookman. You did it. I'm sweaty and you did it. 
Congratulations. And Bookman's like, oh, well, I did it. I, I made a pitch, a big pitch, one that the sky opened up, one for the angels. So I guess that means I'm ready. And Death's like, all right, let's go. Fuck, all right. <sighs> Fuck. And then he kind of goes, and they walk like six steps, and Mr. Bookman's like, I'll be back in a minute. And he goes back, and he folds up his suitcase again. And he's got some ties, and he's like, what, what are you doing? And he goes, well, well, maybe someone up there needs some ties. And then they walk off on the, the sidewalk and then the empty uh the empty lot. And then um what the fuck happened? Because Rod certainly comes on and he goes, Louis J. Bookman, sixty ish. Blah blah blah. I'm like, you wrote him as sixty nine. Why you why is it now suddenly sixty ish? You have an exact day or exact year. You have exactly how old he is. You said 69 like three fucking times. Now he's 60-ish? Right? He must have been so fucking drunk or something. I don't know. Weird. Because if you're writing the script, you'd be like, I already wrote that he's 69. But now he's 60-ish. I don't know. I don't say Whatever. But the episode over. And it's... And I feel like I'm making fun of it, but I'm not because I like this episode. It's simple. It's simple. It's a sweet little story. It's It's harmless. Like I said, it doesn't... It doesn't have to all mean something, okay? Back off. Um, I give this episode, I don't know, four, four and a five? I don't know, three, three and a half, four, five? Now if, I, I, if I had to guess or give it one, four, four out of five. Let's do that. Last episode, also four. There's some really good ones. I only give a five to a handful. This one I give a four. It's sweet, it's tender, it's harmless. It's way better than Kick the Can. Kick the Can's like a two for me. Anyway, um, yeah, like I said, um, check out loiteringinwonderland.com. I always feel like I slur that because it's so hard to say, and it's a slow way down. Uh, Check it out. Buy my books. $5 a piece, people. You get digital copies. Or you can go to Amazon, search for Phoenix West, get my books there. Those are for your Kindle on there. So do that or the other. I don't care which. I don't care. Do your thing. If you got a Kindle, go to Amazon. If you don't, go to my website. They look better on my website. They're just not made for Kindle on my website. They're made more for your computer, your phone, your whatever. I don't know. Whatever you look wherever you look at your fucking books. People do that. I don't know. I've never had a Kindle or anything, so I don't understand it. But I've always liked physical copies myself. But whatever, I'm just superior to you. That's fine. We all know that. We, obviously, we know that. Here we are. Um, yeah, check out the website. Um, leave comments, Facebook page, LAW Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And Facebook is the Loading Wonderland. Loading Wonderland. See? Like I said, I always got to slur it. It's so hard to say, and I just want to speed through it. Um, but yeah, leave comments. Come up with ideas for the other shows. Not so much this one. Although, if you have a question, I'll look into it. I'll look into it, and then I'll figure it out. So, I really appreciate any questions for anything. I may answer it seriously, but I doubt it. I'll probably just fuck around. But they're fun, and they're fun for you because you get to have your name read. So, just goddamn do it, goddamn it. And until next time, whenever that may be. Thank you to for listening to the Twilight Zone episode review show, citizens. Good night. Good luck. And there's a signpost up ahead, and it reads, go fuck yourself, citizens.